today, uh, our topic is how to help a grieving friend. So first off, before we can do anything else, this is not so much about us. And of course we have our own issues with grief, and we do and we will have, and that's a topic that's important and part of what we're doing, dealing with today. But the focus is on how do we help other people when they go through times of grieving and seeing what the Bible teaches us about this. As mentioned by Leon and Osagi earlier, uh, this is a tough topic, um, potentially, but I don't believe it to be a negative topic. Grieving is difficult, but it is not wrong. It is not negative. It's very positive. It's, in fact, it's healthy to grieve. I think it would be true to say it would, in most cases, be unhealthy not to grieve for certain things that happen in our lives that are difficult. Health, uh, grieving, healthy grieving is part of life, and all of us experience it, whether we have yet, or so far, or will do in the future. But I'm pretty sure that all of us have, in one way or another, experienced this kind of situation. Uh, grieving is challenging. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to stop for a moment. Why don't you guys come in and take a seat, because what we're talking about grief, and it's a bit difficult if we are uh, uh, got other noises and things going on. So... Let me uh, stop for a second. And then we'll carry on. Here we go, guys. There's a whole row here. Lisa's all alone, look, poor thing. Someone keep her company. Joe's run off to be with the, with the children and left. There's three, three handouts for you guys there. There you go. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Lovely to see you. Make yourselves at home. <clears throat> Good. So talking about grief, um, grief is challenging, no question about that. And it's also the case that as time goes by, new forms of grieving or new challenges come up with it. For example, uh, I read an article this week by a, a writer called Tessa Love. And she wrote about the impact of social media on grieving today, which is something that none of us would have had to deal with 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Um, 10,000 people on Facebook die every day. So 10,000 people with Facebook accounts die every day. That's a lot of people, but of course it's a global phenomenon. Uh, Facebook spread all over the world. And it may have, it's happened to me, and maybe it's happened to you, where someone you know has died and has a Facebook account, but you still get notifications reminding you of their birthday and things like that. It's happened to me a few times. And that can be um, a, a kind of a reminder of somebody that we've lost that we wouldn't have expected to see, and all of a sudden, there it is, staring you in the face. She quotes also a situation for a woman called Becky Olson, who found out about her father's suicide via Facebook because her mother knew about it but didn't want to contact her on the telephone or in any other way and was actually traveling to tell her daughter about her father's suicide. But the news got onto social media before her mother could make the physical journey to see her daughter and therefore she found out about it online. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Something good did come out of it in the sense that she connected with somebody else who'd had the same experience through social media, and together they met up and then discussed how to support people who have this kind of experience. And they set up an online platform called 
our side of suicide to help people who have this kind of shock in that way. People really need help with grieving. And I think we do a lot uh, from time to time, of course, as well. The Apostle Paul knew the value of being able to help other people in their challenges. In this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says this in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we have ourselves received, we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient assurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And he goes on to talk about his challenges that they know about. So he's connecting with their, their own challenges by sharing about the comfort that God has given him, and he hopes that they can also enjoy. And this is what people of faith, as Christians, we hope to be able to bring to other people, is the kind of comfort that God can give us and does give us so that we can then comfort other people with that same sense of compassion. We're going to look in particular at the example of Jesus. If you want to now turn to John chapter 11, we'll look at this passage and then we're going to break into some small groups for some discussion. In John chapter 11, probably the most famous uh, and well-known example of Jesus expressing strong emotion, perhaps other than Gethsemane. In John chapter 11, as you probably know, Jesus is very close to the family of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. And without going into the whole story, for our purposes today, uh, Lazarus becomes sick and then dies. And after a short period of, uh, of what, three days, Jesus goes to see the family, to see Mary and Martha, the surviving brother and sister. And let's have a look in verse 33 for now. We'll come back to this passage a bit later. In verse 33, Mary is weeping and crying. And, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, <coughs> he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. He wept. And if he wept, we know he understood the grief of Mary and Martha. And perhaps he wept as much for them, or perhaps really for them, rather than for Lazarus at that point. And we will look at that a bit more later. But what we understand from this is that Jesus knows what it means to grieve and to be with people who grieve and to do their best do his best to help them with that. So we're going to hopefully take some inspiration from the example of Jesus and from the wisdom that we've got collectively here in this room to help us to help other people. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to break into some smaller groups. And what I'm going to ask us to do in those smaller groups, and, and this is on the handout, is to share about a time of loss. You don't have to share. So I don't want to put any burdens on anybody. This is not everybody has to share. Only share if you want to. And if you feel it's appropriate or safe to do that in this context. Now, it can be any kind of loss. I know I've emphasized more uh, death as a loss uh, up to this point. But there's more than one kind of grieving. 
or rather more than one reason to grieve, and, and death is one of them, but there's also loss of health. We can mourn our loss of health. We mourn a loss of a dream or an ambition, or perhaps a job or a career or anything like that. There's various kinds of loss. So we can be sharing in our groups about anything, but we felt like it was a significant loss and that we grieve over it. And then um, the point is not to share every detail of our whole story, share as much as is appropriate, but we don't have time for all the details, but share something about it. But then also what you found was helpful and not so helpful about the way that people were with you during that time of grieving. So what did people say or do that was helpful? And what did people say or do that wasn't helpful? It may have been well-intentioned, but actually you found it to be uh, problematic. So that's what we'll be doing at this time. Um, and also, of course, if people do share things in our groups that are sensitive, let's be, um, let's be careful to hold those things privately and in confidentiality, um, because some of these things are, are quite personal, of course. Uh, well, they're all personal, but some are more confidential than others, perhaps. So that's what we're going to do for a while. Then we'll come back and have a bit of sharing and wrap up looking a bit more at John chapter 11 to finish. So um, I'm, not, I'm not going to ask about the specific situations of grieving that we've had, because we've been doing that in our groups. But what I would like to ask us is whether we saw any common threads as to the things that are helpful to do or say when someone we know is grieving, or things that are not so helpful for us to do or say when someone we know is grieving. So can we have a little bit of sharing from the groups? Let's start with the things that are not so helpful. Let's start with those, all right? What are some things that are not so helpful that we've seen or experienced? Uh, maybe we've even done ourselves. So what, uh, what came out? Anything? Who would like to kick off? Yes, Bromin. Minimizing it. Okay, he had a good innings. All right. Right. So minimizing the loss or qualifying it. Okay. So other people having a time um, timeline for it, which may not match your own, and okay, that's helpful. Uh, what about another group? Things that are, have been not so helpful that have been said or done. Uh, did you want to? I can share. Mm. Uh, what, 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 what Sam said is that um, it's not so helpful to be a man. Wow. Worst that effect. Worst that effect, yeah. Right. So it shouldn't be affecting you that much. Well, what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. As if, as if that helps the process and, and is meaningful. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Sorry about that. It wasn't me, was it? No. <laughs> Just checking. No. But no, that's, that's, that's not helpful, is it? Okay, uh, any other thoughts? Things that are less than helpful? Um, Another one? I think, it, I think it's recognizing your relationship to that person and not being something you're not. Hmm. 
If you're not really, really close to that person, jump, duck, then try to act really, really close huh. and, um, and get too deep because the person is just like, well, you know, you're in your way. It's good to ask but not get too deep. Right. Um, but if you are close friends and you know that person, or a sister or brother, I think um, uh, be normal, be yourself. That's a good point, and I've seen it and experienced it, and I expect I've done it, where I've put on a sort of somber voice, which isn't me, when I'm talking to somebody who's going through grief. Mm. Really good point. Excellent. Okay, any other thoughts about what's not so helpful? Pen. That can be helpful. All right, let's shift on to the things that are helpful then. Um, what else? What is helpful as opposed to what's not so helpful? What, what actually helps us in, our, uh, in helping other people? Any thoughts on that? <coughs> things to do, things to say. What's helpful? I think talking about it is very helpful. Talking about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, not bottling it up. Not bottling it up. Yeah. If you're, if you're also, if you're busy, mm-hmm. so if you work, um, you can share it. Mm. Um, if you're not at work, then it's the opposite because then you've got nobody to talk to. Go. Uh, and you've only got yourself. Mm. So it's, it's, you start to work to go into okay. it. Being part of a community in some senses can be helpful, whether it's church or work or something else like that. Having somebody you can talk to. Yes. Good, thank you. Other thoughts of what is helpful? Simon. I think, um, I look, uh, well, I believe, uh, <coughs> I believe having lots of friends around you, positive people, people mm. who can encourage you and talk, you know, not lots of talking. Um, as you know, I lost my mother this year. Mm. And, uh, just having people who are, you know, genuinely love you, genuinely concerned about you. And, mm. uh, you know, um, had... Um, Good, thank you. Good stuff. All right. Yes?
the opportunity to be company for someone is probably more important than, when, than whether we are there to talk or not to talk. So we, if, if we want to talk, then we can. But if just the company is what we need, then that's what we need. Mm. Nice cup of tea. Good cup of tea. Most things in life are, are, are improved by, by a cup of tea, yeah. Most things in life. Uh, pe pen, sorry. That's such an important point. Yeah. Pointing people in the direction of those who might be able to help them yeah. is very important is that we recognize our own limitations. Because what we're really talking about here today is about being a friend. We're not talking about grief counseling. We're not talking about that because we're not trained in that. At least I don't know, but hardly anybody would be here. So but it's about how to be the right kind of friend. I don't know that Jesus was a grief counselor. 
I mean, I know he was Jesus, but it's not like that's what he went around doing, being a grief counselor. But he did have a, a, a great connection with people who were struggling with loss in their lives. Uh, the, the woman who lost her son, the, the woman whose son was sick, or the person who had a lot of grief over their sin and the effects of sin in their lifestyle, the ones who had lost um, health, like the lepers. I mean, he, he understood people's loss. And when it came to Mary and Martha with Lazarus, which, um, let's go back to John 11, and then we'll finish off with a couple of thoughts. Let's go back to that situation. I just really want to point out one thing from this passage. There's a lot we could talk about today. Um, this is a huge topic, so we're only scratching the surface, but I do hope that this will help us to be more compassionate and helpful people to our friends when they go through a time of loss. But one of the things I want to point out here about Jesus is the different ways that Mary and Martha were processing their grief over the death of their brother Lazarus. So we see in John chapter 11 that Jesus comes, and when Mary hears, hears about it, in verse 20, chapter 11, verse 20, when Mar Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And then Mary has, Martha has a conversation with Jesus, uh, saying, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died, and your brother will rise again. And, and Jesus talks about himself being the resurrection and the life. Then she goes back in verse 28 to call Mary, the teacher's here, asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him, and then she has a conversation with him, very similar. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died, in verse 32. And Jesus doesn't actually seem to say much to her, except that he is very deeply moved and weeps with her. We see Jesus interacting with the two women differently. We see one coming out immediately to see him, the other one staying at home and coming later. There's no uh, suggestion from Jesus that what Mary did was better than Martha or Martha did was better than Mary. He doesn't rebuke Mary for not coming out with Martha and he doesn't rebuke Martha for coming out instead of staying at home with Mary to comfort her. I mean, he just allows them to be who they are and helps them with what they're going through and ultimately weeps with them and is there for them. And I think it's a good illustration, even though it's limited in what we're talking about today, of the fact that we need to treat people as individuals and not try and process other people's grief for them. We can just be with them in their grief. There is no correct way or time limit for grief. We were talking in our group about the fact that um, some people process their grief relatively quickly. Others may take years. Um, it is said it can take up to five years. Who knows, maybe longer. I don't know. But uh, there is no time limit for us. Um, there are lots of stages of grief, ranging from uh, shock and numbness through the difficulty of accepting the reality of, of the loss, the feelings of guilt sometimes that come up, feelings of anger and frustration, depression, and exhaustion. There's also a, sec a, a time when the, there's a sense of release and then of, of memories we talked about and acceptance. But that, there's no one order of those things. And sometimes people shift backwards and forwards through these stages as they go through their grief. Um, there are some things that I would suggest are particularly important not to say to someone who's going through a time of loss. And one is, has been mentioned, the you should be over it by now. That's not helpful at all, uh, because who knows what that even means. Um, snap out of it, like the sort of be a man, I, I suppose is sort of what that's hinting at or something. That's not helpful. We don't snap out of grief. Or... Um, or something like, you just need to pray more and everything will be all right. 
I mean, that assumes the person isn't praying, and, and it's just, again, a very unhealthy, it's not a spiritual comment, it's, it's actually a, a judgmental comment. Um, time is a healer. It's not particularly helpful when you're in the middle of your grief. Time is a healer in some ways, or rather God is a healer, but that's not helpful to say. And any other trite phrases, like, at least there's one more star in the sky, or something, which I have heard. Um, these things aren't helpful. Um, some things, but let me give you some things to say that are generally agreed to be useful in these situations. Things like, can I help with anything? So you're not judging what you can maybe help with, and you're not even saying, I, I'm going to help you, no matter. But is there anything I can help with? Things like, would you like to tell me more about whatever it is, whatever the loss is, and giving them the option. And they may wish to talk, like Bill talked about talking, but they may, may wish, like Oge mentioned, just to be with you and not talk at all, or at least about the situation. But would you like to? Um, a question like, is there anything I can pray for you? Would you like me to pray about anything in particular? That can be a helpful question. Or sometimes just silence and being with the person. So uh, there's a lot more we could talk about with this, but that's what we'll talk about uh, today. And then we're going to look at uh, a couple of final scriptures and, 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 and conclude. Um, the other part of the handout you'll notice is a questionnaire. So we talked earlier this year about the idea of perhaps putting on a bereavement and well, grief um, a grief course in the new year. Now, the idea of this course uh, is something I've developed coming out of an experience in 2003 where I went, to, went on a training course with a, an organization based in Harrow where they train people how to be bereavement visitors. It's not bereavement or grief counseling. It's how to visit people and simply be with people who are going through a time of loss. So I went through a training course with them, and I also found some interesting materials from the Diocese of Canterbury, a Church of England um, training course that they do for, again, helping just to how to be with people when they're going through a time of grief. It's called Joy in the Morning. These two materials, sets of materials I put together into a course we did in Harrow back in mm, 2000 and something. 10. 10, does it say there? Okay. Um, thank you, Bill, for reading what I already wrote and I can't remember. Um, we did that, and a number of people found that helpful to then be better equipped to go and help other people, whether in the church or outside, as they go through a time of grief. I, I, I'm willing to put on the same course for us if we're interested in the new year, uh, probably in January, over perhaps January, February. But the pragmatic, first of all, is there an interest? And then secondly, the pragmatics of when and how uh, will be uh, important to figure out. So. If you are interested in this or have a view on it, then please write that down on that questionnaire and hand it in to me as soon as you can, and then we'll make some plans for next year. So that's what that is all about. To finish off, I'd just like to say, when we talk about these kinds of things, it can reopen some wounds, and it, you know, we can feel somewhat raw after a time like this if it's touched on some of our own losses in a deep way. If you feel that way and you'd like to talk about it, then please do, whether it's with me or, or somebody. But don't, if you're feeling very raw, don't neglect, neglect it. Uh, just think and pray about what might help you if uh, that's happened. God does understand our grief. He did lose his son. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and then we'll finish.
He did lose his son, but it was a loss that had meaning. And all of our losses have a meaning. But his loss had particular meaning because it was the path to victory over death. And we need to end on this because we need to think about life and death in all of its positive, eternal uh, light. Because death is not the end. And 1 Corinthians 15, we'll just read towards the end of that great chapter, from verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. And therefore, we stand firm. And we carry on with our work that God has given us to do because we know that there is an ultimate victory. After the end of the service, if you want to take communion, uh, the, the communion elements are on the table over there. Please feel free to. And the reason we take communion is to celebrate the victory that Jesus has given us over death, by his death, and his new life. God is with us in our grief. We have a God-given compassion to tap into for our own grief. And we have the opportunity to take God's compassion and comfort to those who grieve in this world. It's a tremendous privilege to take God's comfort to others. Let's be sure to do it the best way we can for God's glory. Amen. I'll hand over to Dan.